around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. I really have a special man joining me this morning who has a very important cause to share with all of us. And we'll get to the gardening questions at the end. I'm joined by Baseball Hall of Famer and former shortstop of the Baltimore Orioles, Cal Ripken Jr. So honored to have you on this morning. How are you? Good morning. I was just uh, trying to figure out my questions that I want to ask you about uh, gardening, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about a few things that we're doing besides that. I am here for free gardening advice. Now, I've never gardened up in the Maryland area, but I can still find you some good advice, Cal. Don't you worry. My dad was the gardener, and so uh, we'll get into that in a second, but um, I helped him um, put together fertilizer, which is essentially going out and getting cow patties and mixing them with water and some other things and then pouring <laughs> them on the uh, garden itself. So that's one um, of the gardening memories you have from childhood. Not exactly the most fragrant, but still a good one. It was uh, it was a lot of fun uh, throwing the uh, cow patties like Frisbees out there when we were kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to me a little bit about your dad. We all know that you were fortunate enough to be able to play under his management for the Orioles for a little bit, and he's inspired you to do great works. He obviously led to your inspiration for, you know, maintaining your position with the team, reaching Lou Gehrig's record and, and beating it of 2,131 consecutive games. You all and your brother, Billy, set up this foundation in his memory, the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation. And that's really why we want you to talk to us today, Cal, about the mission, the strikeout hunger mission that you're now redirecting the foundation to. Tell us about those efforts. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was a great segue, uh, talking about dad and his gardening to uh, what dad meant to us and what we think his life, his legacy was as a, uh, as a man. We lost him to lung cancer at the young age of 63, about 20 years ago. And Billy and I started a foundation because we wanted to capture the legacy of him helping young people. He did it, uh, you know, through his baseball messaging, and he did it uh, professionally by helping uh, young guys get to the big leagues. But he also went out and did these uh, camps and clinics um, to other kids that didn't have all the same advantages. And his goal was to give them a new path, to give them something else to think about, to help guide them, you know, to help mentor them a little bit. So our small little foundation that we would have been happy to stay regionally has gone national. You know, we have a board of 35 to 40 people on wow. it, very influential people. We're national. We build fields. We do programming. We've impacted uh, well over a, a million point five last year, the kids. So we've, we've done some wonderful work. But in this crisis, we were sitting around saying, OK, how can we help now? So we uh, turned our focus temporarily from programming to building these wonderful youth development parks to uh, the issue in these areas that, um, that, that, that we know are existing. And, and we know it really well because we're in those communities. And that's food security. Mm -hmm. So uh, we uh, partnered with Feed America. Uh, we used our resources. We put uh, our money where our mouth was. We put 100 grand up. Our, our partners, uh, Ollie's Bargain Outlet, Kevin Harvick Foundation, Group 1001, Niagara Cares, they all came uh, with big checks as well. And then all of a sudden we had uh, a really good start. But I had the idea uh, to maybe, I always wanted to get on social media, but I was always a little intimidated. And I thought I was a little bit too much of an introvert <laughs> to, uh, to make that work. Um, but I thought it would be a really good cause to go on and make a, a plea to all the people out there that, uh, that wanted to help um, in this uh, time of crisis uh, uh, to put food on the table for families in, in, these, uh, in, in these tough areas. And the thing that really made me think that it would work is that uh, for every dollar giving 
uh, given, it's 10 meals distributed. I always have to pause because it doesn't seem like the ratio is right. For every dollar given, it's 10 meals distributed. So if you, if you can um, give $10, that's 100 meals. You, you've impacted in a big way to some of these communities. So, you know, it's been a wonderful time being on uh, Twitter. And my handle is at Cal Ripken Jr. And uh, a lot of pe- wonder people have, wonderful people have stepped up. I don't know the number in dollars what we raised, uh, but Feed America is really uh, um, uh, overjoyed. And, and it also provides an example for other people to, to jump in and other uh, foundations and other companies to jump in uh, uh, for this need. So we've raised the awareness a little bit, and we feel really good that we're, we're doing something in this time of crisis. Well, you definitely have made the Twitter sphere a better place with what you're doing. And we at WSB have also worked with the Atlanta Community Food Bank. And they, of course, you know, continue the mission of Feeding America as well. But I think it's important for folks to know 37 million people in the entire country struggle with hunger. And the good thing about Feeding America, Cal, when I was doing a little bit of research, I I know their mission. But I wondered how involved farmers were able to get with Feeding America. They rescue up to 3.5 billion pounds of food that otherwise would have gone to waste. So farmers check in with Feeding America and say, I've got a surplus. How can I help? How is this food not going to go to waste? And that's one of the things about this crisis is that you look at the innovation and you look at the quality of people. And uh, people step forward like you wouldn't believe. They come up with ideas. um, And uh, and, and I, I will say, too, that many of these areas that we've built fields in and we've served with programs and trying to get them um, more resources and better opportunities because you really want to send them in the right direction so the element in the area doesn't grab them and, and they, they have a non-productive life. But many of these uh, areas rely on schools and boys and girls clubs after programs for their uh, food intake. Right. And then when you, we take that away, then all of a sudden there's a source that just dries up of food and uh, then they have a real big need. So all the things that we're doing, all the things that the farmers are doing, you know, um, is really helping to attack a need. And then maybe when this is all over and we go back to some sense of normalcy, we'll have a better handle uh, and understanding of of how we can do this uh, um, uh, ongoing. Yeah, it's important to educate folks about their mission and also just to keep those things in mind. Like you said, when we do go back to whatever the new normal is, this could become a favorite charity of so many people. So I want you to go ahead and tell our listeners here in Atlanta how they can help your foundation right now. Yeah, the, the best way and the easiest way uh, is ripkinfoundation.org. That's the easiest place and the best place to go. But there's all information on uh, at Cal Ripken Jr. on Twitter. Um, it's all over the place, and it will direct you there as well. We just want your help, and uh, that, that's, that's what we're trying to do you know, with our foundation. So I would love to know, you said you were inspired to join social media and now look at what good has come of that. But when you broke the record back in 1995, I was watching. I stayed up late, ESPN. I recorded the game on a VHS tape for crying out loud. When you broke Lou Gehrig's record there at Camden Yards, that and just making the big decision of redirecting the foundation in honor of your father too, what motivates you to do those things? Well, I mean, uh, I can't take, uh, usually I get all the credit and thank you for giving it to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, we, we've developed a really fantastic uh, board of directors uh, for our foundation. They're very active. They're very giving. But our uh, executive director of our foundation, I think he's got a new fancy title of president slash CEO slash executive director. I don't know. <laughs> he, deser- he deserves all of them because he sits around and he really uh, he's the one that uh, will challenge everyone in the uh, uh, in our foundation to do good work like this. And I think it was his idea initially. Because we were trying to sit around and say, okay, 
what are we going to do with the events that we have planned? What are we doing right. here? Like every, every other business or every other foundation around, they were looking at, okay, what is the, what's going to happen in the short term here as we, uh, as we fight this uh, crisis. And Steve just said, you know, why don't we, uh, why don't we really shift our focus, temporarily shift our focus to, to areas of need now. And, uh, and I thought it was, I think as soon as he said it, we all thought it was a great idea and we just jumped forward. So I would give him the credit mostly. And, uh, and I couldn't be more proud of the, the people that we have involved in our foundation because many foundations, uh, you know, want to do it all by themselves. We're a very partnering organization and we, we don't have an ego uh, in our foundation. Uh, if you want to partner and you want to help and we're, we're like-minded, you know, let's partner together and let's help more kids. And I think that attitude has really done well for us overall, and it's, it's allowed us to uh, to do good work all over the country. Yeah, you all rallying around the same cause. So that's that's fantastic that you're all on the same page, helping so many people, not only in the New England area, but like you said, this is nationwide. This is getting nationwide attention. We were ready to celebrate our 100th field this year, and I think it's still under construction, although that's slowed a bit. So just think about this. We didn't intend to get into building these fields. They're called youth development parks because we don't care if they're, you know, a lot of times they're baseball fields, but we want you to just use them as an outdoor classroom, basically. But they're all turf. They roughly cost about a million dollars a pop. Wow. And we were were ready to uh, unveil our 100th field, you know, and they're all over the country. But uh, this 100th one was going to be in Baltimore. And we were planning, uh, you know, a celebration uh, of that 100. So so that's $100 million just in fields. And uh, when we when we understood that there was a need, because our programming was there, we were having God attraction, we were we were we were doing some good work, but we realized that there wasn't there wasn't safe places for these programs to exist. And uh, Doris Buffett, of all people, challenged us. Mm-hmm. Warren Buffett's sister uh, challenged us, said, "I'll, I'll give you a million dollars if you raise a million. Wow, uh, we'll, we'll match that. But I want to build fields." And, and so that thought and that idea and that need you know, came from Doris and uh, we really acted on it. And, and now five years later, we're, uh, we're looking to, uh, I guess it's about seven years now. Um, we're looking to uh, celebrate our hundredth field. So uh, we couldn't be more proud of, uh, of our group. You should be. That's huge. And you mentioned the importance of giving kids, you know, an avenue to redirect some positive energy, positive attention. And I liked what you said, getting them outside, too. I feel that that's so important. We've been doing a lot of research here with the show and trying to get kids more engaged in being outside and gardening and birding and things like that. So I read The Only Way I Know How, your book, back back in the early 2000s. And your childhood, you do have really fond memories of your childhood, but give me one or two of the most impressionable of you spending time outdoors. If I direct it more towards the garden, because my dad loved the garden. So my dad used the garden a little bit like a, um, the, he uh, uses a baseball field, where sometimes, you know, he's teaching you things about baseball, and sometimes he's teaching you things about garden, gardening. But many times he's talking to you about life wow. while you're on your knees pulling weeds. <laughs> There's something to it. There's definitely a correlation there, isn't there? there there's a peaceful time. I remember uh, I was going through a stage when I was in high school where uh, my, my curfew was uh, earlier than everybody else's curfew, <laughs> and I was embarrassed that I couldn't stay out. And so, so periodically, and more than periodically, I think I broke the curfew. <laughs> and so, uh, and then I would come in. And my mom, my mom, and my dad, um, when he was home, would be worried a little bit. It was in the days before cell phones, mm-hmm. and uh, I would get in. I don't know, two o'clock in the morning. Uh, on a Friday night and my dad would come down like at seven o'clock in the morning 
um, tapped me on the uh, on the knee and said, I need your help. <laughs> so he knew I, I got in late. Yep. And so I dragged myself out of bed and get, get a quick bite to eat. And we're in the garden and uh, doing uh, different tasks, pulling rocks out, uh, weeding, whatever else. And he goes, and then he'll finally say something like, uh, got in a little late last night, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and Busted. And he'll, he'll, he'll open up the conversation. And then sometimes he'll look at me and he'll go, was it worth it? And I go, no. Never. <laughs> <laughs> But so, uh, doing those tasks begrudgingly as a child does teach you life lessons and hopefully shows you an appreciation even decades later about gardening and the value of it. Here, here's my complaint about my dad um, in some ways. He was very enterprising. You know, he was in the minor leagues for the first 14 years of our life, so we didn't have a lot of money. So he would uh, use things, uh, um, you know, um, for example, when you're putting mulch around the, uh, the garden or mulch around your landscaping and you're working out back, uh, my dad didn't have a wheelbarrow. So just think about that task without a wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. We'd have, uh, my dad didn't have a pickup truck. So he had a trailer that he hooked up to the back of an Electra 225. Wow. Went, went and pil- picked mulch up. We had to scrape it out of the back of a wood trailer and, uh, and then distribute it all around the yard. Now, we had a bunch of wagons from when we were kids that my dad knew how to weld. So he reinforced the wagons <laughs> <laughs> so, so it could carry stuff. So just think about that and uh, edging a driveway that goes up the thing. He gave us two nails, a string, and a hatchet. That's that's how you did it. Yep, that's how we did it. Oh, uh, so so it was uh, it was really good that uh, that he taught us those things because there's there's more than one way to do something, mm-hmm. and uh, Dad was always figuring out how to get it done. And he would always at the end of the day, he'd always take us back out for an inspection, and not not one that says, uh, "Okay, do that over again." He would look at it and go, look how good that looks. You did that. And so, you know, that, that's the basis, you know, for a lot of times you can fill your, your chest up with, uh, with air. You can feel good about something. You can take pride in it. And those are uh, stepping stones to, uh, to accomplishments in life. And so, uh, so I have a lot of fond memories about working outside, um, getting your hands dirty. Like when dad used to rake up clippings or rake up things from, um, he would always use the rake, and then uh, we would pick it up, and then he'd always rake a little bit more, and there'd be more there. And I go, Dad, you know, we already got it. And he goes, Nope, it's still there. Did, did and he, he would always say, Use your fingers as like the, the like a rake. Did he compost this, the clippings, or did y'all throw them away? Oh no, no, we did composting too. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic! All, I'm into that. All the grass clippings up in the top, they were piled high, and then we put the lime over it, um, leaves or whatever else we could to have. It was a really fertile soil. And my dad had the best tasting tomatoes. I've never been able to duplicate um, growing tomatoes like he did. Uh, we're ready for that in Georgia. I know you said it's slow to warm up there in Maryland, but here in Georgia, we've we've reached tax day, which is about the time we can plant our tomatoes for sure. Well, joined by Cal Ripken Jr., Baseball Hall of Famer, and I also want to mention author and speaker. Now, imagine that you've got a speaking engagement to a room full of gardeners. I know you've spoken to so many different classes of people and groups of people. So gardeners are the passionate and curious and kind people Give them some encouragement, because this show focuses in on new gardeners, people that are maybe intimidated by it and don't know the ropes. What encouragement would you give them? Oh, uh, there's a, uh, I mean, there was a speech I've been given, uh, which I thought was going to peter out after a year or two, but I've been doing it for almost 20 years now since I retired. Um, And there's a part of the speech that I come in, and um, these the eight elements of perseverance, and one of them is conviction. And, you know, uh, and so some of my examples are from my dad and uh, in the garden. And really conviction is uh, 
at times you have to stand up for what you believe in. And when you stand up for what you believe in, sometimes you're referred to as stubborn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was called stubborn for the streak. My dad was called stubborn because he had those strong opinions and uh, uh, he had a strong standard. And so I would give the audience a chance to say, okay, my dad used to love to plow out the neighborhood. And he did this, uh, you know, because he had an access to an old farm tractor. One day it wouldn't start. Um, you know, the battery was dead and he wanted to crank it started, started. And he, uh, he brought us around, tried to teach us how to crank a tractor. And, uh, so when he pushed it down and it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do, he started pushing it down and pulling it up, you know, in a way he called windmilling uh-huh. and the thing flew off and hit him in the head. Oh no! And the, uh, and, a, uh, a gash opened up on his forehead. I was 16. I panicked. I put yeah. him in the car, was heading towards the uh, hospital. And he said, no, pull into our house. So he goes in the house and he puts a couple of butterfly bandages on it. Um, doesn't tell my mom. Comes back out. And I'm thinking we're still going to the uh, hospital. He just controlled the bleeding a little bit. Sure. But he said, nope, go back up to the barn. And we started the tractor and plowed out the whole neighborhood of snow. And he never went to the, uh, to the, to the doctors. So then I asked the audience, I go, is that uh, good stubborn? Or is that bad stubborn? You know, because I give them a chance to choose between the two. Mm-hmm. And the last one I hit him with is, you know, my dad loved his garden, and uh, one time a groundhog got into his garden, um, and he was going to put a stop to it. So the way <laughs> he was going to do it was, at 11 o'clock at night, he took a lawn chair, a thermos full of coffee, and a shotgun. I love it. And he went outside and sat in there. Now, the groundhog didn't come for the first couple of nights, so he was uh, sleep-deprived and a little <laughs> bit uh, moody. But uh, on the third third night, you hear this loud bang around 3 o'clock in the morning. Comes in, drops his coffee cup in, and says, uh, he won't be eating for my garden anymore. <laughs> and uh, so then I looked to the audience, and I said, okay, is that good stubborn or bad stubborn? You know, and, uh, and then they wait for a minute, and they think about it. Go, hmm, that's, 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 that might be good. That might be bad. And then I say, let me remind you, um, we didn't grow up on a farm. We grew up in a neighborhood <laughs> with, court, with quarter acre things. So I make a distinction thing. Okay, there's good stubborn, there's bad stubborn, and then there's just plain stupid stubborn. <laughs> That's so, fantastic. So a lot of the stories revolve around uh, my dad's, uh, like when, when uh, somebody would throw out a lawnmower or a tiller or something else, and he'd go by him uh, going out, and he'd see it sitting on the thing. He'd stop the car, pull up the driveway, and ask, are you throwing that out? And they said, yeah. He said, do you mind if I uh, take it? And they'd say no, and he'd go back in the garage and fix it. And uh, then we'd be, we'd have, we'd have, all of a sudden we'd have a tiller now instead of actually using a hoe to uh, to break up the soil. So uh, he he was uh, he was innovative in many ways. And uh, a lot of what I remember about Dad, we lost him 20 years ago, uh, 1999 actually. And when I think back on him, I think about who he was and about. Um, what brought him joy and many of the things that bring me joy um, are in and around working with your hands and working outside. I love it. And not to mention with your, with your career, which spanned a few decades, you got to visit almost every state in the country, all the beautiful parks, major league areas that are just so well-kept and the grounds that are beautiful. That's amazing. Oh yeah. My dad, my dad uh, was friendly with all the groundskeepers around the league and he would ask him questions all the time. I think George Toma from uh, Kansas city was one of his favorites. You know, they would come out early and they would talk. And then when I got to the big leagues, they were always talking about uh, how to take care of dirt, how to take care of grass. <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was a fun time seeing that interest, that side of uh, my dad.
I think so. That's such a masculine conversation to have. I mean, you're sitting there talking about the finest grass in the world, <laughs> just, you know, spitballing how it's done and what soil prep is needed. The, the, the irony of George Tome, I don't know if you recognize the name. The NFL, mm-hmm. he's the, uh, he was the official uh, groundskeeper for the NFL, like Super Bowl sometimes when the whole field had to be replaced. Oh. He would come in and do it a week before and all that. And he was a master at the grass. But for a while, Kansas City went from grass to turf. <laughs> so you, you were wasting George Thomas, uh, he had to focus his attention on all the beautiful grounds around the stadium as opposed to being uh, the actual playing field. Oh, that had to kill him. Yeah, just focusing on turf. Oh, there's nothing there. All right, I got one more gardening thing before I let you go. And this is this sure. is silly. you got to participate in a silly quiz. All right, we do birding, too. We like bird watching, okay? So I'm going to make this easy. There are three teams in Major League Baseball that have birds as their team mascot. So first, we will start with the Oriole. What state yeah. is that the state bird for? The Oriole? Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is almost like a trick question. <laughs> um, I don't think it's it's uh, Maryland, but um, um, I, I would the obvious thing, I would say Maryland. But You, uh, you are correct. You are okay. correct. All right, now the, the blue. So you're easing me into it. Easing you into it. There's two that get a little harder. Now the blue jay is not the state bird of any of the fifty states, but the blue bird, just a, a regular blue bird, is the state bird for four different states. Name one. Oh, um, Maine. No, give it one more guess. <laughs> <laughs> the blue bird. Mm-hmm. California. Oh, that's a good guess. That's a good guess. We'll go with Nevada and Idaho out west. Ah. And now for the easiest, Cardinal. The Cardinal is the state bird for seven different states, many of which are kind of up by you. So give it a guess. Many of them by me. I mean, from the baseball standpoint, the St. Louis Cardinals so Missouri. You know, surprisingly, no, the blue bird Not. is their state bird. How weird is that? That is weird. And the Blue Jay, I was thinking uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, so it could have been Canada. Right. Um, So anyway, uh, in and around the Cardinal, in and around us up here. And in the Midwest. You could go either way. There's seven different states. Kansas. Yes, Kansas is one. Illinois and Indiana. Those are pretty good. Illinois and Indiana, yep. The great Midwest. They seem a bit bit far from us. It is kind of odd living in the East and living on the East Coast. Mm. Or I'm two two and hours from uh, the beach from... uh, where we are, but there's plenty of water around. And the population density, you know, from all the way uh, up the East Coast, you can be in New York, um, uh, you can be in Boston, uh, you go all the way down to Florida. There's a lot of people in this uh, this area here. Oh, and that's got to be a great drive, too, just to make it all the way from Florida, going up parts of A1A and all that, going into the New England area. That would be beautiful with a lot of beach stops along the way. Yeah, for sure. Well, Cal Ripken Jr., thank you so much for taking the time with us this morning on Green and Growing. This has been a true honor and a true pleasure of mine. I've I've been a huge fan since I was a teenager and still continue to follow what you're doing. And now it's easier. Just follow you on Twitter. Yeah, there you go. Um, it was great to uh, reminisce a little bit. Uh, this, is, uh, this has been a fun interview. Thank you for sharing all those memories about your father and, in fact, just the legacy that he leaves behind and now what you're doing in his memory with the strikeout hunger initiative with the Cal Ripken Senior Foundation. Give us the website one more time. It's uh, calripkinseniorfoundation.org is the uh, easiest way, and they can direct you. Um, I think they say they assure me that uh, it's, a, it's a one-click sort of a 
experience where you can uh, you can get right to it because sometimes you get a little uh, frustrated by trying to find where it is that you want to help. Oh yeah, yeah. The banner is just right there. You can't miss it. And give Cal a follow on Twitter too. I want a lot of Georgia and Atlanta folks to represent your following now at Cal Ripken Jr. on Twitter. I hope you continue to have fun with it. When it becomes a pain, just drop it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have fun with it. My dog Nash uh, seems to be the star right now. But there's many other things that uh, come top of mind that uh, you, once you get into it, once you get connected, uh, you start uh, feeling it where you can share. Because I don't, I don't. Th- uh, I used to love being around the spring training environment or using yeah. the autograph sometimes just to talk to people. And when you retire, you don't have that so much anymore. So uh, Twitter is a is a way to connect and is a way to share some of the information um, that you think is interesting. And even I um, hope connecting I, you with old teammates too, right? There's been a few that uh, that I've seen on uh, a lot of replies and a lot of you know uh, likes and all that kind of stuff. I'm yeah. trying to still figure out what all that means. You sound good. You sound good. <laughs> but uh, you know, I do look at uh, the different uh, people, and yeah, there are a lot of baseball players that have uh, reached out. And we can't wait for the season to start. We don't know when that'll be. We know we're a little a little overdue now, but hopefully, Major League Baseball will come back to us soon. We need it, that's for sure. We need our sports back. We do. Mr. Ripken, thank you for all that you're doing to help people who are struggling nationwide, and we're fully behind you. Okay, thank you very much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.